Thank you for joining us on Vagina Talks. I'm thrilled to have you here and I want to have you everywhere we are. So I want to invite you to come check out the Patreon. That is where you can support, become a member, join the virtual temple, get behind scenes, all the good stuff, support this podcast so that we can keep bringing you the medicine, the free flow, the real, 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 real talk. Would love to have you as part of the community over there. Consider yourself invited. Come on over. I'm Samantha Rise, and welcome to Vagina Talks, where we speak about, to, and from vaginas. This is a show of alchemy, where we turn poison into medicine, disconnection into wisdom, and isolated wounds into communal peacemaking. Here's your host, Sophia Wise One. You already know everything they can teach you. You already know. I just want to take a minute to acknowledge that Vagina Talks understands that gender is fluid and dynamic and goes way beyond the binary of either woman or man, she or him, and that in fact it's a living and evolving thing that's actually personal, person to person. And that our bodies, even our understanding or the ways that we experience them can vary. It's important for me that that's something that has space here on Vagina Talks. And at the same time, I also am carrying this understanding that womanhood and the experience of the feminine and all of the female in the splitting of that binary has been injured, has been hurt, has been dismantled. And so I'm looking to have a space where the feminine and the female and the female body is reclaimed and respected and lifted and inspected and known, as well as a space that goes beyond the binary and that acknowledges that these are limited constructs, mostly put upon us and that we're in the process of evolving into something more whole and more true. Just wanted to say that some of my guests will use incredibly binary language for whatever reason from the places that they come from. And I just wanted to let you know that Vagina Talks has a much wider understanding and it's a living one. So feel free to chime in as we go along. Without further ado, today's episode. Hi, beautiful human, and welcome back to Vagina Talks. I am really grateful you're here, and I'm really grateful for the conversation we're about to have. I have a guest today who is just a wealth of information, and I'm just so I just want to like get right. We were just connecting kind of right before we got going, and I just kind of want to get her in here and get back in the conversation and see what comes of it. So here is our formal introduction to Dr. Heather Clark, Farm D is a powerful and soulful energy guide, coach, healer, speaker, and author. She is committed to leading individuals back into connection with their essential selves so that they are unshakable, unstoppable, and vibrant again in their life, body, and business. Our kind of people, right? Dr. Clark was a National Merit Scholar, earned her doctorate in pharmacy from the University of Iowa in 1997, completed her postdoctoral residency in Kansas City, Veterans Administrative Medical Center, 
was adduct faculty at University of Missouri, Kansas City, and has practiced in a variety of settings, including community, consulting, and hospital clinical pharmacy, right? I mean, she's like, really? She's like, gone out. She's done some stuff. After her own recovery from severe stress and burnout, holler at the burnout crew, she awakened to her purpose when she realized that the root cause of burnout isn't just stress. It is the fundamental stress of being someone you aren't. She leads clients from around the world on their journey from stress to bliss. Dr. Clark. Dr. Clark. Heather, hello. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Thanks so much for having me. So exciting. So exciting. So exciting. I just, you know, this key piece of like what really makes us sick is not being ourselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's just, it feels like such a key thing. And one of the things that kind of we talked about this or that I think about kind of immediately is like one of the places that we learn to not be ourselves is the patriarchy. It's this Mm -hmm. like severe conditioning to literally be everything other than a human. (laughs) (laughs) And the idea you're existing for someone else or for a whole different group of people instead of for your own experience. Yeah. Yeah. Fundamentally. Yeah. Like, and it's just like all the different ways where it's like, how can I convince this population that that's true? And then creating, you know, creating a narrative and creating a story and then convincing everyone and justifying it. Um, then reinforcing these overlapping, uh, dehumanizing narratives. Uh, that's where intersectionalism, that piece of like, that's where people are, are getting all of those narratives compounded, kind of dehumanizing after dehumanizing after dehumanizing process. Um, yeah, that's welcome to Vagina Talks. <laughs> here we are. Here, here we are. What do you? What is? What do I want to ask? I want to ask what's alive in you right now. What is being remembered, reclaimed, or unlearned in your in your healing, like right now? Oh, what a great question. <laughs> Um, what's up for me right now is a discovery of my own, at least regarding what I'm on the planet to do. And the way I'm relating to it now is helping guides, leaders, and healers become unshakable. Mm. And this is about not just, no, I don't have any stress or trying to create some sort of stress-free life or crap like that. This is about what helps you regain your equilibrium in an instant, no Mm. matter what. And that's the journey that I've been on. That is a zone of genius to help other people find it. And it's what's up for me right now. Um, And I think it's because it's about undoing all of the conditioning and getting down to who am I really, which, you know, it's not like it's a destination. It's not like, ta-da, and now this is who I am really, and everything's easy. (laughs) (laughs) But it's more like, um, what's the essence of me, and how can I relate to that in a way that works for me? And along the way, let go of whether or not that works for the people around you. Can you just like say that again? Just like, you know, yeah. sometimes, 
sometimes what happens is I channel stuff, and yeah. when it no, comes out, I'm not no, sure I can recreate great. it, but I can channel something similar. Something similar. Say it another yeah. way. Say it again. Just re- yeah, reiterate, because I'm, I'm with you, and I'm feeling it, and I want to hear it again. Tell me more. Tell me more, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love nothing more than oh. to share more about this. Um, it really boils down to finding your own center. Because when you're operating from something outside yourself, that is going to continually pull you off balance. Um, And to oversimplify, stress is simply a challenge to normal balance. It's a perceived challenge to normal balance. And when you're putting your center outside of yourself, that is a time when you are consistently off balance. So if you can pull that back into your own center by discovering, um, what are my values? What do I actually care about? What do I not care about? And just being okay with what is, which, you know, I suppose there's people on the planet that can snap their fingers and get to that spot. But for all the rest of us, this is a journey. And when you're living from, what do I actually care about? What's important to me? Then the approval seeking drops away. The, um, you're, you're then doing things because you like to do things. Um, so just an example pursuant to a little bit of the patriarchy, there are people that when they find their own unshakable center and go on about the world, if you're um, female identifying through the culture, it's, you know, you shave your armpits and shave your legs. And right. some people, when they find their unshakable center, decide, I don't actually care about that. I'm not doing that anymore. And then there's people like me who have decided, you know, I just kind of have really gotten to like the smooth legs, so I choose to do that. But the energy is different. I'm not doing it in order for acceptance or in order to, like, fit into a certain mold. I've given it some thought. I've been introspective about it. Like, I do it because I want to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that that center, that locus of what do they fucking call it in psychology term? Locus of whatever authority. Yeah, locus of control. Locus of control is the is the is the is the term. Sovereignty is also another term that's that's up in the culture right now. Oh yeah, sovereignty. Feel like this. It really relates to. It's like finding your own sovereignty as well. Totally, absolutely. You know, I was just journaling about this this morning. I was I woke up and was feeling. Yeah, like that. Kind of just like, uh, yeah, just like, uh, you know, how many like, planets are in retrograde? We're about at the solstice. We've got pandemics. We've got chaos, drama, we've got yeah. rebellion. We've got a great awakening. We've got mm-hmm. the fight of the awakening. Got trying to, yeah, we got all this happening, right? And I woke up and was just like, okay, on one level, I woke up feeling wonderful, like loving where I am and being so grateful for. The connection. I'm uh, been nomadic for years, and I'm just arrived with a very dear friend and and medicine magic human, and woke up in in her house and just was so grateful to be here, and was waking up just like my heart is just in this deep, deep, deep healing right now that I'm in the midst of of walking through, and um, and just kind of woke up with this place of just like. Like, eh. and when I eh. <laughs> yeah, and I like kind of walked around and I sat down a journal. I started writing. It was like, okay, I can hear the undercurrent of guilt, sadness, grief, and actually, I don't think guilt named itself first. It was sadness, grief, and doubt. 
And so I sat down and I was like, all right, all right, grief, sadness and doubt. Like, what do you, what do you, what do you have to say for me? What do you, what, let me give you some space. You're an undercurrent right now. I can hear you, but what are you saying? And, you know, what came up for me was that notion of that this, I find such great comfort in reminding myself that I will never do enough. I will not save the world. Like, I will never do enough. I will not save the world. And that my, what I can do is I can do my part and I can remember that I am inherently enough. Like, I am enough. Existence is justified because I have it. And I do my part. And, and, and just kind of sitting with that, that's what I was thinking about when you were talking about it. I was like, yeah, that was that reminder of me this morning that was like, and like my part is not that clarity, that like knowing is some of those things are going to be checklists off of things that people think I might ought to be doing. And mm-hmm. some of them are, are not they're not at all like they're just that's not the thing at all you know and so that reminder of like if i'm looking for the approval of the affection or the connection yeah yeah well i'd like to take a second and really speak to can't remember exactly how you described it but this feeling of i think everybody can relate to that and i just want to here's my thoughts on this so what i have discovered through the years of helping people recover from burnout, you know, going from stage three adrenal fatigue to feeling freaking fantastic. What I've realized is burnout is something that happens. It's that underlying stress of not being yourself. Yes. But, but the difference is it's a spiritual awakening. Your soul went and evolved, but your identity and conditioning is still operating from the old rules. And that's part of what's creating the problem. And I think what's happening right now is the world has gone and evolved on us. And we're all relating from the old conditioning and the old ways of being. So this is a bit of a crucible to pass through. Um, It's my opinion. It's super normal to feel both ecstatically joyful and devastated all at the same time during this time. That's mm. normal. Yeah. A sane response. Yeah. That, that's a reasonable response. <laughs> like, it doesn't mean that you don't want to shift that. It doesn't mean that certainly accept the invitations. Like you accepted the invitation when you sat down to listen to the background, the sadness, the grief, the doubt, all of that, like, what do you have to say? Absolutely. Answer those invitations. Do the work. That's what helps you move along. But for anybody, hopefully nobody listening to this would ever judge themselves for having off days or feeling meh. But if there's a few of you out there, like, how is that not a perfectly reasonable response to what's going on? I just think about, like, (laughs) your bestie. You call your bestie today, and you're like, how are you? And they're like, meh. You're like, yeah. Yep. That makes sense. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like that, that ability to like be, you know, to, that's like my whole thing. Right. It's like, like, how do we keep ourselves company? You know? And one of the things that I went through in this, for me, this recently has been this piece of like a, an, a, a real, I just love what you just said about the soul awakening and the, this evolution, the soul evolving. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the, and, and, and then intersecting with the old identity, you know, one of my other kind of body-based 
practitioners who I just adore, who does incredible work in Taos, New Mexico, Jane Glenn, she talks about how the bot, like she's just like, it's the body, like the body just needs some time, you know, like the synapses and the muscle. We like talk about this a lot. All my body worker friends are like, you know, you have this great vibrational spiritual awakening. And then there's this, there's this like reverb reassociation. And sometimes it happens so fast. That's what I call a miracle. <laughs> That's my, <laughs> it's like when the timeline collapse and you kind of move all the way through a healing experience that is inherently happening anyway, but it happens in an instant as opposed to the earthly time process of firing synapses, realizing they're not going anywhere, firing new synapses, creating new pathways, muscular posture, um, you know, all of those things that that conditioning, that identity association is so uh, I want to talk about this thing. I've been talking about it. It came out of my mouth yesterday and it's just really feeling important because I think a lot of what you're talking about, that devastated piece, I'd love to maybe talk about both of these pieces, but that devastated piece, you know, how do we sit with our grief and our devastation in a way that furthers our evolution and nourishes our soulful self um, and our, our present well-being, right? Because that's a real mm -hmm. option. That's what I've learned is that devastation, grief, heartache, all of these things can be complete nourishment to our to our growth not just a deterrent to our happiness or our joy or a takeaway from our life right like it can really build build our life but I've been noticing in in my healing journey the way that my whole life was kind of laid out in the past two and a half seasons really took me into a deep reactivation of some of the um like trauma pattern stuff from my childhood. And so I was just really in this deep loss ache, this heartache, this panic, this fear. And, and so I'm in the process of, of healing this heart, strengthening this heart again. And one of the most challenging and painful things that I'm encountering are moments of beauty, really yeah. undeniable beauty, because I'm having this feeling, I'm, you know, I've kind of acclimated up a level. I'm definitely in the like recovery zone of this space for me, which I'm so grateful for. And um, diligence and practice really does a thing. So, so months later, shifting those identity, those pathways, those conditioning and in my own self and coming into this, this present moment. And just, I used the phrase of sipping beauty like a hot tea. Mm -hmm. and that I'm opening that like that's how I'm needing to be with my heart because really like I can just think about this even just a month ago I remember going for a walk and it was so beautiful and I just kept shutting down harder in response to it um for about the first hour I was like in the woods for many many hours so it, it turned around but one of the things that I noticed was it was like it was so beautiful and I was just angry <laughs> at the beauty because yeah. it was just cracking my heart open and my heart was like no I'm hurt and sad and I don't want to like I'm insulating I'm insulating like gentle gentle and so having this moment of just holding my heart and feeling it want to open but just inviting it to do it a little bit at a time and and kind of like just knowing that beauty, it, it's, it's, it's hot in my heart. It's a hot tea. And so to just to sip it, to take it in and, and then to let the, to let the tears fall or let the breath deepen or let the heaviness sink in and then sink out. Um, which to me is, is this, it's this interesting interplay for me right now of this ecstatic 
jubilant, joyous, excited, inspired energy that's happening, right? Like we connect mm-hmm. to this energetic vibration of what's happening. And like any great crisis awakening, it's like, uh, right. It's devastating. And, and there's this other piece that's, there's this, there's this other beauty. Um, sometimes that doesn't, we don't see that for days or months or years, but you know, people who have walked through great losses often from that place of courageous transformation can speak to this, um, kind of process through a tragedy. I'm happy to hear anything you want to say about any of that. Oh, oh, that was so lovely. So lovely. Um, because when you first started speaking of that, what came to me is something that I, I tell clients and works for me very well is to help trans, to help get yourself through a time like this, what's going on on a global scale, whatever's going on on a personal scale is do your own work and only your own work. Mm. (laughs) um, Because people, probably a lot of your listeners are on the scale of lots, very empathic, very sensitive and unconsciously people wired like that, like I am, find that we're processing all of the grief and the sadness and all the stuff going on in the world in our background. Right. And you talked earlier about, you know, I can only do my part. Well, it's not necessarily our responsibility to transform the planet in that way. Because if you transform yourself, then that you know how bad things are contagious. Somebody comes in with a bad mood. That's really contagious. Right. It's also true the other direction. Right. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with David Hawkins work. He has the consciousness scale where shame is the lowest vibration. And then, um, courage is where it transforms into the positive anyway. So as you go up each step on the scale, it's a power of 10 higher and more powerful. So if one person does their own work mm-hmm. and only their own work that raises you on the scale, but then that lifts all the other boats. But it's easier because you're only worrying about you. So a, a tool that I like that I use personally whenever I'm feeling something's up is just the question, is this mine? And then return to sender. <laughs> that way I'm only processing my own stuff. Um, but I really love this what you've shared about processing your own trauma and having beauty be a little, my word would be confronting. You didn't say confronting, Mm. but Mm -hmm. what you're doing that sipping it like a hot tea, how gorgeous is that? Um, and another way that I hear that is you're choosing your perception but you're not spiritually bypassing by jumping over to, well, let me just appreciate all this beauty. I just love how you stayed with your own center and okay. And I'm noticing that I can't take all of it in without Mm -hmm. creating issues for myself. So I'm just going to sit with it a tiny bit at a time, tiny bit at a time and get into resonance with it. That is gorgeous. I just love that so much. Little bit by little bit. And for someone yeah. who, you know, I think this is true for a lot of us. And uh, I talked a lot about my recent episodes. I've talked a lot about this. You know, for a lot of us that have spent 10, 15, 20 years creating these skills to bring ourselves back to center, 
um, COVID was incredibly alarming because we couldn't just do, we couldn't use the things that we always use to come back to center. It was like, it was so big and confronting that, that a, a lot of us, um, we're like, whoa, I haven't been this challenged since my initial awakening. And one of my friends, Nicholas, said, even the, it was like, even the Dalai Lama's waking up right now. Like, yeah. this understanding of this, so you talk about the whole, I think about the world, I also think about the energy of the planet, right? This collective shift in evolution and then this collective identity shift, right? Like, we're all yeah. doing it personally, but we're literally doing it. And that's... I, and this is, I get so excited. Like that is the, that is the potentiality <laughs> of this moment, which is like that the world and the systems, just like my organs have a chance to re my nervous system and my organs, my digestion gets a chance to, to reset and move forward in this totally different way. When I have these kinds of big, big evolution waves, right? That that's mm -hmm. what we're seeing. These conversations, we're seeing communities having these evolutions and we're seeing communities having these conversations and evolutionary potentialities and these conversations shifting on, on a systemic level, which is like astounding to me. And it brings me back to this very interesting piece because where I kind of, I think I'm working I pray that it's constructive. Um, working in this inner intersection, I have a belief which is that if something appears contrary, that indicates to me that I'm in a limited perspective because nothing is inherently contradicting. Like things exist. So if they exist and I'm the one who's making them opposites, then I'm creating a story of othering and separateness that is not mm -hmm. real. So this notion of taking care of myself first versus taking care of the collective or taking care of others, right? And yeah. even this notion of pinning them against each other, it's really useful because I'm watching it collapse every time it comes up as a justification for me to quote unquote, stick to my center or come back to myself because I have to do it first before I do this like linear counter um, justification is not quite holding up for me like it used to <laughs> it's just not I mean it held up for me for a long period of time in my kind of initial ways of recovering from codependency where taking care of other people was the strategy to take care of myself and being like yeah. that's not the thing like I I literally my belly is not fed if I just literally put food in everyone else's mouth now if I make a meal and sh invite three friends over and we all eat the meal together, including me and I fill my belly and I fill my joy cup, that's different, right? Yeah, um, like I don't necessarily have to feed myself alone in a room, right? Only my bowl of food, only by myself. And this question of like what frequency am I in? What am I contrib contributing to? And the efficiency of it, I think, is where I'm really coming into is like – how do I, my brain just went like, poof, like all these different directions, <laughs> like this piece of caring for myself. If I'm in a shame vibration, shame, um, uh, I have a great episode on shame that we're going to put my shame episode. I'll put in, in the links down there that, you know, exposure, 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 shame is rooted in, in secrecy, hiding and, and the, the contraction around that, which is needing care. Right. So, 
So if I'm in that, if I'm in that frequency, my, my job, right, is to tend that, to be responsible for that, not to avoid it. So looking at the ways in which I like avoid it. So my brain just went like a whole other thing. So, but this piece of, I'm going to turn it back around. I'm going to turn this boat around. Okay. So (laughs) this piece of like my caring for myself versus caring for other people is something that I'm really, I'm, I'm having my own evolution kind of coming with because I've, I've fundamentally, spiritually and energetically understood all along, like for a long time and even more so and more so and more so that they're not separate. They're just literally like fractals, birthing, fractals, birthing, fractals, like micro macro, same, same reflections. I'm a reflection of the outside. The outside's a reflection of my inside. If I want to change the outside, the most effective and fastest way to do that is change my inside. That does have concrete materialized results, not just perspective results. I've seen that. I've seen that. I've seen that. So like, having that and knowing that to be true while at the same time looking at some of the hmm coping of the colonized mindset or the isolation or the trauma survival stuff that taking care of myself from a certain perspective is still it's wound care that's perpetuating a paradigm in a frequency that's different than the frequency I want to be in, which is one in which they are not contrary. So I feel like I'm having this, is this making sense? Like I'm having this Al- like almost. jump between. I want between. to understand better about, d- did I understand you correctly when there's a certain vibe of the self-care is more wound care? I'm not sure I, un- I, I understood that. Oh yeah, that's a really, that's a way to catch that one. That's exactly, okay. You literally just picked up what I was getting to, right? So my association of Mm self-care was so rooted in a trauma-based perspective that self-care, like, and I I know this isn't true. Like, I have lots of joy self-care and have shared that. I've cultivated that. But still, this part of my paradigm or perspective that just, that, that looks to it can look to it as, um, as wound care, really looking at taking care of myself means taking care of, of, um, two things. Oh my God. Two things. One is that if I have any needs at all, I'm wrong or broken. How about mm-hmm. that for a paradigm, right? Like that's <laughs> definitely a thing that a lot of us, especially socialized as female and socialized as period at the end. I think that's like <laughs> socialized yeah. at all. Um, that if we have needs that we've somehow inherently failed, that we're failing at being a success as opposed to just saying like, no, that's literally what being incarnated is about. Like we need things, you know? And so I think need, I I think what's revealing in this moment right now is that just providing for my own needs, um, is, is I'm kind of, I'm just going to breathe. I'm noticing I'm holding my breath. Mm -hmm. (sighs) What's happening for me as I'm trying to talk about this is like, What's like literally like what's actually happening as I'm sitting here is I'm just feeling these waves that are just dissolving the way that I was thinking. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I so I don't think I can go backwards. (laughs) I don't think I can describe where I was coming from. (laughs) I'm just going to let it. It really exposed. There was some faulty. (laughs) <laughs> I, I love yeah, go it. For, so go for it. one of the things that I teach about is profound self-care. And a lot of times when I go out and do public speaking and speak to groups, I'm teaching about profound self-care. 
in, you know, because self-care is one of the things that's been um, shown actually with some really good scientific studies that it addresses burnout. But self-care is often co-opted into this toothless, just take a bubble bath, just go for a walk. Now, sometimes that is truly helpful. Um, But for me, profound self-care is putting yourself ruthlessly and relentlessly first, always. Now, if you've grown up in this culture and in society, this is a fairly narcissistic culture. So a lot of people worry about, oh my God, that's really selfish. What about this? But no, it's putting yourself at the center of your own life and putting yourself first, not sucking the life out of other people. (laughs) So if you're listening to this podcast, you're not going to be selfish about it. That's fine. But part of the way to really, truly take care of yourself is to do a lot of what you're talking about. And I love how you just process on the fly. It's so much fun to talk with people who can do that and like really get clarity midstream and work through it all. That's freaking fantastic. And if people really put themselves at their center and do the tools you're using, things I would call profound self-care, you get there too. Um, And this is stuff like boundaries. This is stuff like, what do I actually value? Um, This is stuff like, who am I really? And you might not cognitively know, but you kind of have a felt sense of it. There's usually Mm -hmm. a heaviness when you're doing something that isn't you and a lightness when it is aligned with who you are. And that can really help you move through this. And you're... I, I... you go you go gonna wrap up no wrap it up wrap it up wrap it up i just got excited okay super ties in with um your this really important insight that you shared with us all that if you have needs somehow you are wrong broken or have failed like that is the outgrowth of what how most of us feel again because it's a very narcissistic culture and occasionally we've all been raised by narcissistic parents so yeah it makes sense it's there but i agree that that's not a real thing it's a a held belief so beautiful you go well i just wanted to say cuz you talked about recovering from your adrenal um uh, burnout and one of the things i had allostatic load and i don't know what level it would be wasn't you know it wasn't ex- well, whatever. I don't know. I all all the things. I would like get exhausted walking forty feet. I couldn't. I would sleep and wake up with night sweats. I would um, mm-hmm. I would rest and not recover. I was my um, startle response was super high. My digestion got all messed up. My immune system was tr- tanked, trashed. I just got yeah. infection after infection, and um, and that was a real turning point in my journey. I mean, that was a real, real turning point in my journey because my, um, because I realized in that, in that moment, I realized that my mother's chronic illness, chronic fatigue that happened when she was in her forties and I was a kid, that, um, it wasn't a, con- it wasn't, I was always so scared in my life. I was like, what if I get scared? Like my mom, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, And then I had this epiphany that I was like, oh, I'm not scared of if this mystery thing would happen. I get it. This is how it happens. This is literally how it happens. It was like all of these, it's like undiagnosed ADHD, uh, stressful marriage, then you add kids, then you add financial responsibility. It was like, oh, this isn't, this was not confusing. This is not, it's not confusing how you break a body and brain and like vehicle for a soul's expression. Um, it's really not confusing and specifically kind of seeing the 
again, having that mirror of those pathways, um, the ways in which my mother and I were very similar. So I could see some of these things, right? Mm-hmm. So this was not what I thought I was going to. So that was a, a <laughs> bonus part of what I was sharing. What I was actually going to say to you, you're we talking about the heaviness. One of the things when I really took this turn was, you know, people said, how did you recover? Like, how did you recover? And I said, I watched more TV than I've ever watched in my entire life. Um, but that um, that was only that's only factually true. It's not uh, it's not concept or useful information true. Right. What I was doing when I wasn't watching TV was journaling, writing, getting acupuncture, working with professionals and looking very deeply at how I was running my entire life in a way that was what you were counter to my authenticity, exhausting myself and running um, these uh, systems of behavior, thinking, style, choices, action, um, you know, that, that, uh, just couldn't hold up. And one of the things that I, there were two things that are coming to mind for me. One is I had to learn how to put myself to bed before I, what was like tired and crashing out. I had to retrain myself the way that people who have had um, issues with eating have to relearn what hunger feels like and how you get a signal. Like one of the things that I had to learn is that when I start thinking about food, that's when I need to start making food, not wait for my hunger. That my first hunger sign is my brain saying it's time to think about food and that if I don't think about food when I think about food – then I get physically hungry and then my body's like, I'm ready for that food that I asked you to make 20 to 40 minutes ago. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't do that yet. And then I have this and then my, my body's going like, well, now I'm angry and irritated and I have to make it louder. Right. So I needed to do mm -hmm. that with my sleep. I realized that just because I could keep going, I did keep going and that I would go way past the message of, oh, I'd like to slow down and, and rest now. I had to really listen to my rest and my sleep signals. And the heaviness, this is actually just really telling some things here, the heaviness piece that you mentioned, um, I really had a really changed the way that I listened to the heaviness specifically in my kidneys. So I would feel in my back and my adrenals, I would feel a heaviness. I would have a conversation and someone would say, do you want to do a thing? And I would say yes, or I would say no, or I would feel it in my body. Sometimes I'd say yes. And then I'd get this heaviness in my body and I'd be like, uh, <laughs> nope, I actually, you know what? Not available for that. Yeah, your Turns body's out, like, no, thank you. Yeah. Like I'm already <laughs> exhausted. You know, you know, yeah. or I, I'd like this thing. Oh no, thank you. And then my body's like this lean of like, wait, but that's is what we like. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Why? But that yes, when it's not that heaviness. And so my kidneys really became my organ of orientation for about two years. And then I did a chapter, I kind of always go back to my womb, but I had forgotten this till you said this, that my kidneys and adrenals, my back specifically became the, um, the scale of whether it was going to drain my system or maintain or fill my system, right? Like not everything has to fill me up, fill me up, fill me up, but I need to be very mindful about things that are draining me out and to recognize that I made a habit of driving my, you know, the, the, the tank at you know, a 10th full and then it would, you know, and it constantly, constantly fucking <laughs> the car stalling out, like, you know, 50 yeah. feet or two miles away from a gas station. Cause it's like, that's, you can't put a drop of gasoline in and then drive. Oh my God. I can't wait till we stop talking about travel in terms of gasoline. Yes. New paradigm. I'm ready. Welcome. Mm -hmm. Giving up the oil age. So 
you know, having that energy shift. So those were, those were all of the things I wanted to come out of my mouth. I, I love that so much. So I did not realize that you had had a similar journey to mine in that I too was at that point where I would take a shower, then I'd have to lay down and rest. Uh-huh. I had to sleep through my lunch break. I was forgetting things I had known since the early nineties. It was a problem. Yeah. It was dramatic. Yeah. And I think looking back, there were lots of signals along the way that mm-hmm. had I been clued into them, I could have been like, okay, this isn't working for me, new plan. But I missed all of that. So I completely crashed. And it's one of the things that to date, it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And simultaneously, the best thing. Because yeah. I realized I have now it is, there are only two choices. <laughs> I can double down on this experience and essentially choose victimhood and just, oh, woe is me. Or I can move through the victimhood on to whatever's on the other side of this. And later I realized, and neither one of those choices are wrong. <laughs> yes. I ch- yeah. <laughs> you know, it's fine. If that's your choice, then do that. That's great maybe we can't hang out because that doesn't, that's not fun for me to be around, but it's not wrong that you're choosing it. But for me, I was able to move through it. And that was just a big tool when I learned the whole, the heavy and light tool, like what works for me and what doesn't, because cognitively I would be choosing things that seems like a great idea. Right. And paper, it's like, just do this. And my whole body was like, well, no. And like all these weird things would come up. It wasn't just the physical heaviness. It was, well, I can't get this started until I spend 20 minutes looking for my favorite eraser, you you know, (laughs) like what? What? But now that I'm like, Oh, my body says, no, I'm a no on this, even though it makes sense to do it. And it's probably from a materialistic point of view. And I don't mean like money point of view. I mean, just from a materialism point of view, Mm. it would make sense. But like that, I guess my soul went and evolved beyond that. So that doesn't work for me anymore. So I got to go with the heavy and light tool, which is so much fun because it's got, it's actually grounded in science. Now I like the woo woo and I have no problem with the woo woo, but I really like when science supports some of the woo woo things we do, you know, (laughs) I just like to encourage science because it's so young. It's so baby. You know what I mean? That's why I always say people like have a little faith in science. It's young. You know, it's like they're just developing the tool sensitive enough to join in the conversation. So I really like to encourage and like, you know, or I'm like, it's only like it's only like a couple hundred years. And they're trying to catch up with thousands of years of empirical study, tried and true, like medicine, research, life, plant, intergalactic. Like there's a lot of technology. You know what I mean? So I'm into it. I love it. I'm I think there's hashtag problematic. There's a lot of white supremacist, you know, colonial um, perspective in it. And it's amazing tool. I love adding it in and there's an, um, the power of observation and tracking observation is I'm a fan. I'm really a fan. So tell me what you know, what you, what science, tell me what you want to tell me and tell me what science says about these things. Well, just a, just a brief thing about science. I think the practice of science is amazing. And I think that people have made it into religion and that's a problem. It's kind of like my complaint about world religions. If you just follow your own professed religion, everything would be fine. Same with science. But the, um, so the heavy and light tool, do you, you already had to, shall we run through how to use the tool real quick? Yeah, go for it. 
Okay. Love it. It's based on, well, actually it's not based on this, but the science that supports it, it's called the Iowa gambling task. And it's a little computer game that people were hooked up to a machine like a lie detector. And there were four stacks of electronic cards. It's just a little computer game. And they needed to click the stack, flip over a card. And the, the task was to win the most money. But people realized after around 50 cards that the decks weren't random, it was rigged. So 50 cards, your thinky brain figures it out. Aha, these are the good decks, these are the bad decks. What they discovered is your body knew at like four cards. You would reach for, quote, (sighs) a bad deck and you would get a specific, your body would give a specific feedback and a good deck, your body would give a different feedback. (laughs) So... Why wait till 50 cards when you can figure it out at four? So for those curious, first you Have breathe. Have done this with dating apps yet? I feel like this is a real... Yeah. I don't know. Keep going, keep going, keep going. I'm with you. So, so to, to, to like formally use the heavy and light tool until you've incorporated it so into your life, your body just tells you. Um, it's real helpful to do deep breaths because the deep breath is what helps shut off your stress response system. Because it's real hard to get good information if you're super stressed. So it's just an inhale, a hold, and a bigger exhale. I'm going to do that a time or two. I'm going to make two statements. Imagine that you're saying it and just notice how your body feels. Again, if something's true for you, it will feel light, open, expanded, bright, something like that. If it's false for you, it will feel heavy or closed or dark or contracted, something like that. So we're breathing. Truth, my body likes to drink water. Truth, my body likes to drink paint thinner. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) See? And most people can discern a difference between them. Um, And if you can't, try it when you're alone. It'll help. But now you got to I feel like that was disruptive to people's process. I just you couldn't even you didn't even get to thinner. You just said paint and my body it was no, and your it body just was happened. like we're a no on that. You yelled. I was like, no, that's not a truth. You cannot start that statement with the word truth. <laughs> I, I've really honed. So that's like, exactly is, right? so your tool is yeah. much more sensitive than someone else who's just starting out, but the tool Sensitivity still is a tool. I have to yell about that right now. Sensitivity, I repeat after me and everybody. Sensitivity is a tool. Sensitivity yeah. is a tool. Sensitivity, Sensitivity is, a is a tool. It's a constructive a tool. It's a tool. It's a tool. It's a tool. Okay, keep going. Love it. <laughs> Love it. But now, it, like, even just with this one heavy and light tool, now you've got a GPS for how to operate in alignment with who you are and pull everything back to your unshakable center. It's just, it can just be that easy. One tool can change your whole life. Yeah, it's for sure. Yeah, it doesn't have to be hard. But... But anyway, so we were talking about. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. yeah. This, yeah. this idea of self-care and relating to it differently. And just really, I like to just put some teeth into it. But honestly, it's just like everything else. I was having a conversation the other day with, um, with a great friend about smashing the patriarchy. And I discovered I have a lot of anger about the patriarchy and really it comes out as impotent rage. And it occurs to me, you know, Heather, this is probably like everything else, act locally, meaning where is the patriarchy still in my life 
that maybe is currently invisible to me. Yep. <laughs> so it's just like with anything, the self-care is, well, let me pull it in. What can I do for me? And when you're putting yourself ruthlessly and relentlessly first, that creates more, not just for you, but for everybody around you. You know, right. Fundamentally, period at the mm-hmm. end. It's why we can, why it's not dangerous to take care of the collective. It's why it's not a politically risky or economically risky thing to stop dominating people. Is because it just <laughs> it's like just in case anybody was confused, uh, <laughs> it's it's not actually risky. Abolishing fucking white supremacy is not a risky thing. It doesn't. It's not risky. But it. I mean, we laugh, but it's also like. It's it's so emotionally ingrained. I mean, we've been taught that it's 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 danger, danger, fear programming mm-hmm. that has justified it. So I think it's useful to just remind ourselves like it's not it's like that's truth. <laughs> right. Like truth. It is safe. It is safe to take care of everyone equitably. Truth. I truth. agree with that. And I would like to offer that from a different perspective, it is not safe for their worldview and their identity. Right. That's the whole issue with this, this gap, Uh, this identity gap between who you really are and how you're being. It's, you will defend it to the death until you get to a point where you're willing to question things. So that's why I like, just try on the idea. So if you try on the idea, okay, well, you're, Right. Someone out there is suggesting that it's unsafe to not have white supremacy. Like, okay, well, let's follow that all the way through then. Like, so unsafe implies that there's a fear. What's the fear? And what's the, and like, just keep drilling down. Right. And it's real helpful, at least for personal work. It's the way I do my personal work. The whole, oh, I discover I am actually quite upset about that. Let me sit with that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let me feel uh-huh. all the feelings. And what is it about that? And then usually you get to some nugget that you're like, oh, now that's something I can do about in my own life. And it changes everything. Yeah. 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 And I think one of the things that's so important when we talk about doing that inside, I remember when I did my, I literally did a cleanse, a ritual cleanse that was a saltwater cleanse. So I literally shat out the patriarchy. Um, <laughs> it was uh, this a few days and I was doing journaling and meditating and I was meditating on the ways in which I was perpetuating. I perpetuated the patriarchy in my own body as well as in my relationships in my life. So I was shedding it, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, I have no idea what I was going to say. Oh, uh, personal, um, personal, right. And that after, like after that reckoning in your own mind, in your own space, you then see the world differently. So things that previously went by on television or that went by in the news or that went by at the dinner table that you didn't notice because you were, it was normalized inside of you, right? That when you shift it inside of you and no longer you know, don't, I no longer abuse myself, you know, then, then when that abuse occurs, it's not normal. Right. One of the things it's when the way that we've internalized so much abuse means that when we see it outside of us, it's normal. And so denormalizing it (laughs) inside of ourselves and in our lives is one of the ways that we a believe that it's real, that there's an alternative, you know, because it's just so normal. The normalization of abuse is like really 
I think has been a big it, it it allows for so much justification. I have to say one thing though, you keep using and I understand it and I'm kind of into it. You keep using the term toothless and then put teeth into it. And I just really have to bring up to me that this idea of like toothless being a reference to babies and elders as being somehow less potent is um and I heard you say, I just want to be very clear, Heather, I heard you say like there's a time and a place for those practices. Um, and what you're talking about is like a more like or, uh, a parti- I'll say instead of saying more, I'll say a particularly uh, rigid and confronting kind of self-care as opposed to a, um, a softer and nourishing. And it's just I just even that like I even heard that of just being like these kinds of how deeply ingrained this notion of like, why are babies and elders somehow less potent? Uh, like, where does that phraseology come from? Like, toothless. That's fascinating. Yeah. Thank you for that perspective. Is anything off the top of your head, is there a different way to say it that's more inclusive that communicates something similar? Because I really appreciate that. Yeah, I think... Um, uh, well, I love that you, the title of it is profound self-care. Oh and yeah. So, so I we're f- not fooling around here. Right. Self-care is not, it's not short right. enough. Right, right, right. <laughs> this is, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. This is <laughs> profound. Um, you know, um, Ooh, I'm trying to think what the word is that comes to mind for me. And I, so I think one point is how important is it that you link the self-care that is um, soft and nourishing and relaxing and opening, which is kind of what you were like the baths and the walks and the, the calming, the parasympathetic nervous system um, uh, activation aspect of self-care. Is it important to frame it as an, and I understand why, because of the mainstreaming of self-care, the way it can kind of be, imp, um, uh, I, I don't want to say I impotent because it's powerful, right? It's that's yeah, a little it powerful practices, powerful. right? And can be right. Well, but here's the thing. I'm like, I double dog dare someone to, who hasn't in their life before, take a bubble bath every day for the next three months and not <laughs> view their body, their life or their um, relationship to water and relaxation differently. This, this is perfect. So as you're sharing that, I'm getting clear. Well, what do I really mean? So let me, let me take another pass at this. So what I have noticed, not necessarily in the literature, but in the application of the scientific literature regarding self-care, is it's become another list of obligations and shoulds. Uh-huh. And... People often relate to it like a checklist instead of something that can actually powerfully change your life. And that's why I I use bubble baths as as an example, because for some people, they're deeply transformative and really what's required. And for someone like me, I'd be like, I'm just wet and bored now. I like, I'm not, it doesn't do it for me. (laughs) Right. So, but not relating to it through the lens of obligation, should, have to, any of that, because that's... Uh Obligation is super toxic. Agreed. Relating to it to, well, what actually nourishes me? What heals me? Okay. So you made a very interesting point there, which is that people, a lot of people, I watched this happen all so many, love you all, babes. We've all been there. (laughs) I don't even mean it like that. We've all, we all have this aspect and some people it's more dominant in their 
life at the moment or in the past than it has been come to me and they're like, okay, what can I do so that I don't have these symptoms? Um, but I can still keep living the life that I've lived. How can I stay the same, but you make this part a little bit? Oh. Could you repeat that? Yes, yes, yes. So I've had people say to me, you, okay. So you said something essential in this, which is you talked about, you know, a checklist and that if, if you, if somebody wants to change and have it be transformative, then they need to do it in this kind of way that really aligns for them, right? And mm -hmm. what I'm saying is the key point that you said is somebody has to want to change because what I've seen is a lot of people look to how can I mitigate the pain of my life without having to change myself or my life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so that's the part where people are like, okay, well, I'm like, I'm, I meditate 10 minutes a day. I've watched this happen so many times with people. I, I love you. My yeah, cis white men yeah. business it's friends that come to mind. Or like, I'm going to meditate. And then they start getting headaches three months in super normal. And I say, well, you double your meditation time like double or quadruple, like do it twice a day. And they're like, well, now I'm getting headaches. And I'm like, yeah, that's because you're, as you sit, you are, you're resisting getting the information that you need to be getting, you know, or the knowledge, the knowing information can sound really head oriented, but I mean like that there's a shift happening, you know, and I've watched people make that choice of like, I liked when I could just take the edge off. And I was like, okay, but like, the more you get connected, you're going to be motivated to change. And so I think a lot of like, I think that's a big piece of that I hear in you of just being like, yeah, people want a checklist of mitigating their pain without having to change. I've watched those people. And I, it's like, and again, I know plenty of people who love their life. They don't want it to change, you know, but the, except for this one piece. And I'm just like, I can't don't hang out with me is kind of my general <laughs> yeah, answer. It's like, it. I'm just like, not, <laughs> I'm not the choice. Um, there are other, I was like, you know what? I can, and I can tell you what you can do that will probably, you know, it's like, you know, if you do these things at a kind of on a, on a level, right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so interesting. So now I'm getting back to, and I'm feeling more into this, like toothless tooth, like, you know, this, <laughs> like, if you like get in there and like really, but I think to me, what we're talking about is really that, um, Yeah that that real fucking willingness to change and like how much are you willing to let shift in the process of of soul evolution and coming through and that's why most people don't make these shifts until they hit a crisis that makes it worth it to change everything because that's right. and that's why I've my practice has years for years has been to lower my pain threshold so that I need less pain to activate a shift in my behavior and to not even use pain as an as an uh, to to uh, add other signals to shift my behavior that are not just pain, um, but that idea of I'm gonna break I can take it I can take it I can take it I can get through I can get through, is a powerful coping mechanism and I give blessings to all of humanity as we've navigated that and when we come into looking to create a new way of being with ourselves or as a collective actually becoming sensitivity, having a sensitive response, right? Like me squealing at the word, the beginning of the word paint before you even finish the <laughs> sentence is like a direct response of me just being like, my, I've trained my body to be like, nope, not that. Like, nope, not that. So that I don't have to be screaming 
on, I'm just literally thinking of this memory screaming in the middle of a fight in my house with a partner after being with them for 14 months when we knew we should have broken up like six times previous yeah. as we're doing this, to, you know, and I'm like, but I'm so tough and I'm so resilient to get through these emotional challenges. And it's like, why don't be that tough, Sophia? Not like that. Like resilience and courage and, and being able to hold up through something is is so different. So to like how to create Absolutely. my my resilience it, while height by even incre increasing my sensitivity as opposed to decreasing it. Well, and I don't know about your life, but I know in my life in particular, when I was standing screaming at something because I really needed to make a change and chose not to the, the ability to push through and that toughness that was a survival skill and a coping me mechanism. Absolutely. That was like totally a safety thing but that was a safety thing from conditioning and did not reflect what was happening in my life at the time. So it, at least in my frame of reference, that was a symptom of me having the center outside of myself. And as I pulled the center inside myself, there were people in my life that had a lot of feelings about that. And they're not in my life anymore. And everything's better. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry. Me putting myself first is confronting for you. That sounds a lot like your issue. Enjoy working through that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I think one of the things that I love that you've said multiple times is like putting yourself, you know, ruthlessly first mm -hmm. and foremost. I think for me, one of the things that has allowed me to do that is to recognize and to come into truth to recognize that's what I'm doing anyway. It's a matter of transparency and honesty, not a matter of actually changing what I'm doing. I'm fundamentally when I'm people pleasing, that's manipulation. That's all about taking care of myself. It's all about getting the approval, getting the sense of belonging, getting my needs met, getting the money I need, getting the roof over my head, getting the attention. It's all. It's all. That's all about putting myself first. I'm only doing it through the framework that looks like it's about other people. Yeah. And I think that that is to recognize that can be incredibly liberating because when you realize, oh, I was always putting myself first, I was just doing it with these like unconscious and subconscious coping mechanisms get through survival strategies, then it's like, you're not actually like, how much are you changing fundamentally who you're putting first? You're just changing how you do it transparently um, and getting well, and honest it, And it's more it. functional too, because yes. now- I mean, you're not just, that's not the only thing that changes. <laughs> well, right. Like, but um, in addition, yeah. like those actions, the different actions are much more functional because approval seeking is a way of putting yourself first and getting needs met, but it's in a way that depends pretty much exclusively on other people. Right. And, and I'm not saying approval is bad. I like approval. I am a big fan of approval, <laughs> but right. It's not required for a lot of <sighs> stuff like, okay, well, is it true that what I want here is approval or do I want what I've already defined would be successful? Oh, all right. It's, it's kind of like, um, what's my real goal here? That's another profound self-care thing. What's my real goal here? Is it to just look good? Is it to actually accomplish mm -hmm. something? Is it to show up and truly help? L like, you know, <laughs> right. Right. And like, what needs am I being, is it right? Like what needs am I, or my values are being met in this process of like, 
collaboration, that being satisfying, yeah. right? Participation, yeah. and intimacy, connection. Like, like that, that, that's still meeting my need. Like that's still taking care of myself. I want community. I want participation. I want to see growth. I want to see like, so when I contribute to those things, I'm taking care of myself, but it's not just myself. And I think this other piece that doesn't, again, that's thinking that somehow taking care of ourselves means that we don't care about other people is also yeah, part of this. That's like not... Well, that, again, making it. those contrary is not useful because that's not we are we are complex. Oh, complex yeah. Because I know that the more I put myself first, the better my primary relationship gets because it takes the pressure off of him. I'm taking yeah. care of me. His job is to take care of him. And then we come together and we take care of the relationship together um, with clients. Like how I do my part in the world is I show up fully as me hold the space for their transformation. That call is all about them. Right. But that's me putting myself first because what I'm on the planet to do is to be me. And this is one of the things that being me, hold the space of transformation, really listen, help people shift. Absolutely. And cause that's fun for me. That's like, I live right. for that. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so it works for everybody. It's like, because I'm putting myself first and being me, that's creating more for everyone. For that client showing up and getting what they need, that creates more. Like, it's just, it begins to be win, 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 win. And then it makes it easier to just have that calm presence. Like, go to the grocery store, especially at the, you know, at the height of the fear pandemic, not that the pandemic's over, but I think the height of the fear may have passed. But just going there, standing in line, and just being a calm presence. Right. And then everybody around me settles. It's like waves of just calmness coming out for me. That's just me being me in the world. And I'm not doing it from a manipulative place. And it's not like it works for everybody. But for those that were seeking that consciously or unconsciously could just tap into that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't think that's selfish. No, I don't think so. I think that's, to me, I, I mean, I have a very clear... Do I have a clear? I don't know. Everything's kind of melty right now in this in-between space. But I do have a sense. I have a sense of um, the inherent kind of web interconnected beyond my knowing. Like it's nothing separate. And when one is well, it is truly well. It's, it's good for us all. That's just what I know to be true. And like, whether yeah. that's me or whether that's someone else, like I'm, I'm benefited by your calm, you know, and I know you're benefited by mine. That's like, that's, absolutely. That's true. And the people in my life that don't have the natural calm, they've got the, the natural high. I benefit from that. Like it, it's, it, right. it's just, we all have a little piece of the puzzle. We're all a part of that web. Like just. It's kind of like, I was going to say, just show up and do your job of being you, but that feels like that's putting an obligation on you. But what if your part in whatever is happening, whatever you really want to see on the planet, what if your part was to simply be you and the natural expression of you? Like, what if that's it? Because when I'm simply me, like, um, my brother had a post on Facebook that I was like, I, I can't let that stand. Right. <laughs> but I didn't come at it from a place of I'm going to win. I didn't come at it from a place of I'm really smart and let me prove it to you. 
I came from a place of, you know, perhaps you hadn't considered this other perspective. Here's that perspective as I understand it. What do you think? You know, because that's, that's the natural me. That's not the irritated me. That's not the reactive Heather. That's the responding Heather. And whether or not that helped him, that helped at least three other people that, that had responded. But, um, at least for me, that takes the pressure off me to like, go do something. I got to do something in the world. Like, okay, what if I'm just me and I'm being me? And as a result, I'm inspired to do things that are helpful for other people. Like for me, it's a whole different energy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's it. You're kind of bridging us towards our, our closing question in, in, in this, in this place. So is there anything else you want, um, to share or say before I do my closing, my two closing questions? Mm, How lovely. Well, I would like to let people know that I've just launched the unshakable being podcast. So you can find more at unshakablebeing.com. And basically I am just digging into how to become unshakable. I've got different experts on, we're exploring it from different ways. And the whole idea is to give inspiration and tools. So I would just love it if people would join me for that. Um, And I'm also on Facebook. And then my primary business website is vibrantagain.com. Beautiful. You just answered my second to last question. Oh, I jumped ahead. I worked ahead. I do that sometimes. Sometimes you do that. (laughs) Sometimes we do that as, as beings who are attuned to things. Um, Great. Perfect. That's it. That was my thing. So are you ready for a closing question then? I am. Okay. Where are we going? This question is rooted in the understanding and perspective that we are co-creating a healed, gorgeous, new wave, soul planet evolution that we're like, we're going, we're going somewhere that this is that we're in a, in, in a bridging space and we're part of bridging that space. So it's a, it's a presumptive question. So I have a pre question, which is like, are you with me on that? Like, do you, I do am. You, yeah. Okay, great. So then the All question in. is, where are we going? What does it look like? You know, this idea of um, the, the power of imagination and, and tapping into that co-creative space. What part of it do you know? Do you see, do you feel, do you sense, um, being like, what does it feel like in the, in the full being? From my frame of reference, I tend to see things through the lens of, um, how, how fully expressed are we? Where's your center at all of that. So from that perspective, what I see the evolution is that we're operating from our own centers, which actually deepens our connection with others. So instead of reacting instead of, um, having what we think is connection, but our identities are connected. It's our true selves are more connected. And I think that's going to create a space where people are doing what truly lights them up, um, and doing what they're truly inspired to do. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that things aren't going to get done. That doesn't mean the dishes aren't going to get done. Like I have learned to trust that I wait until I'm inspired to do the dishes. 
(laughs) And then when I do the dishes, it's actually quite a joyful experience. But if I force it, well, I need to do it by this time, it sucks the life out of it. So we're doing things as we're inspired to do it, which is so fulfilling and creates so much harmony that I think joy will arise naturally out of that. And I think what's happening is we're moving into that, but we're we're moving through the phase where people's worldviews are being shifted, whether they wanted it to or not. Yeah. And I think as the perceptions shift, I think we'll more easily realize that future. Yes, may it be so. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Heather. Thank you so much for being with me, being you, holding space for me to evolve and come forward. Thank you for your life work, your contribution, your brewing. And thank you for being with us on the show. Just talking and having a journey. Thank you so much. This has been so delightful. So delightful. Thank you. You're so welcome. Darlings, as always, I love to hear from you. You can find me on Instagram. You can send me an email. As you find your way into yourself, as you find your way shifting your soul evolution and your identity and life transformation, I wish the most satisfying and potent and efficient toothless and toothed self-care I wish you diligence and your courage to hear yourself, to be yourself. And I wish you just absolute experience of how completely unconditionally loved you are at all times. Love you. Thank you. Be well. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much. And thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sophia. Remember, everything that we talked about in today's episodes will be in the show notes. So go there for links. For more content that you're going to love, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to this podcast. Share this episode with anybody you think you'll enjoy it. And share the love with a rate or review wherever you listen. And to find out about all the mad adventures I'm up to, check me out on Instagram at SophiaWiseOne uh, or come to my website, SophiaWiseOne.com. I am Sophia Wiseone, daughter of the wind. I am calling you to rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up and take your place. Thank you, gorgeous. I am thrilled and grateful for your support listening to this podcast. I want to invite you to come check out the Patreon. If you think this podcast is the bee's knees and you're grateful that it exists, I want you to know I'm grateful that you exist. Come join the Patreon. I call it the temple. We are healing. We are musicking. We are podcasting. We are together. Come check it out. You can find it through Patreon backslash Sophia Wise One or through my website, sophiawiseone.com. Y'all know you need to hear that, though. You know. If you don't know, now you know. If you don't know. Okay. Yo, I'm so excited about Vagina Talks right now. Don't pretend like you don't know this is the best podcast you've ever listened to. Don't pretend like you don't know.
you know.